What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Medica! Hey, behaves! Uh, this podcast coming to you on a Wednesday. Woo! It's got some goodies. Actually, we got a couple, couple goodies coming up in the I- pod. I think as Russell's wife would say, my goodies. My goodies. Uh, our goodies. Is the, Love uh, my goodies. Is the, uh, the owner of the ham pod. The owners of the ham pod. Whoa, can, is Adam Silver okay? You're allowed to say that? I'll check with uh, Stack Jack. Steve Jackson. I saw you tweeted what he said this morning. It was, uh, very, it was very just normal common sense thought. Yes. Like most humans especially those from lower income environments aspire to be called an owner. You know, take a lot of, take great pride in that. Like it's not, I've never met a player that looked at it from a negative connotation. I say this all the time, guy, not to get too serious before uh, our George Kittle interview, but there is a, there is a, did you listen to Van Pelt and Rosillo? They did a podcast. Mm-mm. Pretty good. Well, I mean, it's just those two. <laughs> but yeah, they're, yeah. They, they talked about one thing that I thought Ryan had a good point. So many people in media over this last five or six years, it used to be a big deal, like if you had a social commentary yeah. on like a sports talk show. Now it's an immediate tune out because like, okay, we hear it nonstop on Twitter. Except for the guy in Dallas. He does some good ones. Yeah, but just, I, but I'm saying like if it's a part of like your show and your stick every day, it just wears people out. If you oh, do it yeah. every once in a while, like Colin every once in a while would come out of kind of left field with something. People go, damn. Now it's like you, you can't talk about politics stuff every day. It's an immediate tune out. But a lot of people in the media do it because that's the only thing they can do. Like they can't talk about George Kittle against, you know, the Denver Broncos. And I think that the media influences a lot of these people in executive positions because they sit there and read the media all day because they're not like at practice or, you know, working out or in meetings. They're in business meetings and they read a lot of media stuff and they just think that the shit that the player like there is a disconnect I often think between like executives, business executives and like players, especially sometimes with commissioners, especially with Adam Silver right now and his players. Well, I think I think one thing that happens a lot is you just business decisions are made not off what people think is the right thing to do. Sometimes it's 
that they don't even know, but just based on, well, will this get us some credit, right? Will I get credit for making this decision for hiring this person or firing this person or having this in our product? Will I get credit? And that's the beginning and the end of it. Will we get credit? And yeah, I, I think it's a big problem right now for the NBA. They're making a lot of decisions that, you know, David Stern never would have made. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't made some good decisions, but like he still gets a circle jerk over kicking out uh, what's his name from L.A. It's like, yeah, that's the easiest thing. Like oh, no sure. one. Yeah. Like, what, of course. I mean, everyone wanted him gone forever. But like the players were going to the players were going to not. They were turning their T-shirts inside out. Remember? Yeah, but but it's like that guy was a well-known loser scumbag, right? Had, no one in this world had ever heard a positive thing said about Donald Sterling. I didn't know much about the Clippers growing up. I knew their owner was nuts, and I, I still think he's kind of riding that coattail. But my point is that like the like no players are offended by the owner. You know, it'd be like, what's next? remove players because that has a negative connotation with sleeping around with a lot of women and the me too movement's going to get mad. Like where, where do you stop? You know? Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think we're at risk at that, but I wouldn't have thought we were at risk at this. Yeah. See, I, I think in this day and age, you never know what's coming. Uh, this, uh, George Kittle is on the podcast today. And then next week, an awesome conversation, if I may say so myself with Mike McGlinchey, who was phenomenal. Uh, Hopefully we're all, we're all sipping White Claw by the time the McGlinchey podcast posts. They may or may not have uh, reached out through direct messages. Now, I've been wearing them out. But, you think uh, I should tweet at them? Everybody tweet at White Claw. Hashtag cases for ham. Yeah, say we will buy White Claw. Yes. As, as long as you do business with ham. Tweet at, 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 at White Claw. Tag us in the tweet. Maybe you'll get a koozie out of it. Uh, depends on Middlecoff's stock right now. And uh, do you think White Claw would fit in a koozie, or is it too well, thin no, of a What can? I want them to do, guys, I want to put the White Claw logo on the other side of like the Haberman Middlecoff koozies, and then we will just be able to give out koozies for free. I can give out some koozies for free, but I only have a limited amount of stock. I can create, if we get White Claw on board, thousands upon thousands of koozies, and then give them to the people. Do you think somebody tweeted at me yesterday that McGlinchey doesn't? Someone said McGlinchey doesn't like to do interviews. Uh, so it's cool that you guys got him. I didn't. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know where that even came from. Didn't know that either. I've heard that's... him do a handful. He was great. But my, the reason I bring it up is just to say, if we could present him with a case of White Claw, maybe he would come on again. I would imagine Kittle would take the White Claw too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we'll try not to talk too much about the McGlinchey one until next week. Uh, As I say in the Kittle business awesome. guy, yeah. we got McGlinchey in the can. We got him in the can, yeah. In the can. Just got to keep him healthy till Monday. It all works. It's yeah. it's he's still a human. You know, people always do that. Like I used to think that way too. Like something something happens, you can't play the interview anymore because you didn't ask him the hard question about the thing that happened. It's like, oh, he's just not a human that has conversations anymore because he broke his ankle over the. I've got. I don't want to say that because he was uh, come up with something else. Got his pilot's license over the weekend, and you guys didn't ask him about the biggest story. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I'm not even I think it happens it. sometimes if, like, you have on, let's say, Mike McGlinchey on, you know, we interviewed him yesterday, and we're like, it's coming out next week, and then tomorrow. Now, this is not going to get happened, but it happens, I think, in other sports with other players. He gets traded. Oh, right. You know, or something like he is arrested. You know, just something happens that you're like, ah, uh, 
Quick caveat: We interviewed him last week. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. one of those. Yeah. To me, the trade one uh, or a bad injury or all. Well, here's what I'm saying: Is he said so many things of value that no matter what happens, yeah, it wouldn't matter. Nothing's gonna happen. Too high level of a guy. And uh, as we saw yesterday at practice, <laughs> you're not going hard enough to get injured. Well, That's what's crazy. You realize out there, how did Jimmy Ward break his collarbone? Well, it's like not even clear exactly from the explanation we got. Well, we got two explanations. The, the Niners leaked out something, and then even Sala was like, yeah, I don't know. If Teach I players to keep their feet. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> you run into the street without looking because he was trying to keep his feet? Right off the practice field? I, uh, I think he, he was trying, I felt, a little bit, and I don't blame him, to kind of protect his guy. Like, he, yeah. he wasn't just... Like, he didn't just hit the ground. Like, he was making a play. Yeah, yeah. I uh, know, he's got a sling on. Yeah. Like uh, Mooney. All right. Uh, despite what it'll sound like after the conversations with uh, George Kittle and especially Mike McGlinchey next week, this podcast is not brought to you by White Claw yet. But the last time with we your help. White Claw until they jump on Well, board. let me just say this. One, just reiterate. Tweet at them. Tell them. Tag us in the tweet. Say, get on the pod. Yeah. Do it. All right. Um, this this podcast, though, is brought to you by easewellness.com. That's E-A-Z-E, wellness.com. Promo code HAM. Nationwide, Middlecoff, CBD shipments at easewellness.com. Promo code HAM. If ease.com is the Uber of weed, Ease Wellness is the Amazon of CBD. Because I just got an Amazon shipment delivered to my door. I have I marked it down yesterday. I got to go to the Ease Wellness and order. It drops to your door in two to three business days. EaseWellness.com. They got everything, guy. From bath bombs, relaxing bath bombs, to CBD for your dog, to just sleep aids. To just, you're not feeling that great? A little bomb, a little cream on a knee or an elbow. You got a cranky elbow, guy? Rub that cream right on your elbow. But the sleep aid is something I'm going to get all natural CBD. It's really kind of taking on the the nation, CBD products, all ages. I mean, I I know a lot of people over 70 years old that are getting involved with CBD. Uh, Doctors are recommending it all over America, all over the world. Uh, And uh, face rollers, you know, a little CBD, relax your face. It's got it all, guy. Great for athletes for recovery. You just go to uh, easewellness.com, promo code HAM, and that gets you $20 off your first delivery and $50, every delivery over $50 is free. How do you beat that guy? $20 off first purchase, $50 or over, free delivery, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. Promo code HAM. And this podcast is brought to you by Hair Club. Hair Club. When you're running on the beach, what do you want flopping in the wind? Just your hair. Uh, anyone uh, uh, right now, when you go to hairclub.com slash ham, you get a free hair, health, and scalp analysis for new customers and a $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after your initial consultation. Yeah, guy. I mean, here's the thing. Whether you're looking to revitalize the growth of your hair or because some people lose their hair, some people recede. I was... You know, one of those guys that lost their hair, not receding. It was kind of a combo, but more loss than receding. They have something for everybody. And they're not even, you know, most people just, it's just men, women too. You know, a lot of women that get hair extensions that lose some of the thickness in their hair. And hairclub.com 
slash ham guy. You just go. All we need to do is go sign up. Mm. It is free. We're not even asking you to spend any money. You just go to hairclub.com slash ham. Free consultation. Free consultation. Whatever your problem is, you don't have to look like John. You can look like Guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you at all. And that's where hairclub.com slash ham. Again, it's free. Just go sign up. The great thing about uh, our our disparate uh, situations is that it's easy to identify both of us in the background of Navarro Bowman racing down the sidelines, which we'll get to in a moment. Go to hairclub.com slash ham for a free hair health and scalp analysis, new customers, $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after the initial consultation. That's hairclub.com slash ham, hairclub.com slash ham. Woo! We did see, well, we'll talk about the, what do you want to start with, Warriors or Navarro? I mean, I'll follow your lead. Well, let's. Uh, the Warriors are tonight, but we saw Navarro yesterday. At, we were out at Niner practice, and then you went back and rewatched. You had me rewatching on YouTube all the old pick of the stick, all the different videos. You found the music video in slow mo. Easy to get nostalgic, huh? Oh man, and uh, you know you see us in the background um, at a few multiple spots as Navarro turns the corner before he gets to Harbaugh. We're right there. You can see us clear as day. Um, Navarro was out there yesterday at Levi Stadium to retire. And um, great to see, man. Like, we were out there at practice, and you said, I think Navarro's here. Boom. And all of a sudden, there he was standing there in a nice white button-up talking to Richard Sherman on the sideline. You know who I uh, recognized first was Rosenhaus because I could see the double R's. You know, he wears that shirt everywhere. Yes, yep. Was he wearing a blazer? I didn't even see Rosenhaus. Yeah, he was going classic double R shirt and, you know, a blazer. T-shirt. A T-shirt, and I could see the Navarro kind of – just the clan. I mean, he's got eight kids, his wife, we ran into him and not eight. I think they're three, but they're all little kind of running around. And you just called him Philip rivers for a second. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty cool. You know? Well, it's cool too, because it had, it wasn't that long ago that it felt like it ended badly with him and the Niners. Well, yeah, it was like a year and a half ago. It was this regime. It wasn't like GM and coach changed. And then he came back. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was those two guys that got rid of him. I mean, it was John and Kyle that got rid of Navarro Bowman. Do you know who I told yesterday at practice? I said, the world we live in, no one will remember this, but Grant Cohn wrote an article on how the 49 – it was over, and people freaked. It was how, right when Kyle and John Lynch first got there. How Navarro's time was over? What do you mean? How how you needed to be how John and Kyle needed to be like Bill Walsh and get rid of him before it was too late. Uh. This was like they had been on the job like a month, and people freaked. And then the draft came along. They got Reuben Foster, and really by what was it like end of September he was gone because it was like Reuben's going to play. You're not, and it got weird fast. And he was just cut. And then boom, he was a Raider a couple weeks later. You're right. I mean, it just it went at warp speed. I the thing I always remember though, before he hurt his Achilles and he was coming back from the devastating knee injury, Peter King wrote an article about how it took him two hours to get to practice. Remember that? Yeah. How he just had to like loosen up his knee. It was like God. right, right. The pregame, and but then he said he said no, it doesn't take that long. But but then the the, the following year, before he hurt his Achilles, he was playing a lot better. So he like that first year back from the major knee injury, you know. Mm, but then the second year, I think that was Chip Kelly's year, he was playing really well, and then he ultimately hurt his Achilles that year. And then it was just, you can't overcome a knee snap 
Because it wasn't like, oh, he just tore his ACL. No, he had his like basically his leg snapped. Yeah. And then he tore his Achilles. Just that's that's too much. Where does uh where does the pick at the stick rank in your sports watching life? Or maybe we'll call it your because we were there, the live sports watching life. Yeah, it'd be right up there. I, I I think it's the when you factor everything in, they were the biggest team, one of them in the league. That team was on their high highs. It was the last night at Candlestick. The amount of people that were there from Dwight Clark to the boys demand and we were sitting next to Chris Berman. Was Montana there that night? He, I think he showed up, didn't he? I don't remember. I don't know if he did. I don't actually. remember seeing him. Yeah, I don't know if he did. That was kind of weird. I think, did Steve Young have to do the uh, fake Dwight Clark catch? I think he might have. Uh, it might be one, man. I, I vividly, my memory's shitty, but I vividly remember just kind of looking up at the crowd and it just being like an earthquake. It was the loudest stadium I've ever been in at that moment. Like as as he crossed and as he scored, the entire team went to hug him. And just I just vividly remember turning around and just looking at the stadium. I'll never forget that. I, and it just the place was shaking. You know what I remember most is feeling that day because the the Falcons were like a four win team that year, right? They were they were bad, yeah. But feeling that night that Matt Ryan could complete any pass he wanted. I checked the box score. He went 37 of 48. Did he really? Ka- yeah. Kaepernick, Kaepernick threw 21 passes and completed 13. I just remember thinking anything Matt Ryan wanted to do, he could do. That's the way it felt. It's like, like I just assumed every pass he threw was going to be a completion. Well, remember and when, I, we, when we got to the field, they were like, they drove like 50 yeah. yards. And I just remember, I remember the play, seeing him throw the football and just assuming this is a completion. It's probably going to be a first down because the Niners were up by three late was it less than two minutes left right and the falcons were in the red zone and um i just i remember seeing the ball go up in the air that's the last thing i remember about that play i don't i don't even quite remember navarro running by us i just remember seeing the ball go in the air and just going oh my this this thing that i thought was going to happen this completion is not going to happen and navarro i just remember seeing go up and he has it and then i i don't remember seeing him run i we probably had to look at the video board to see him go into the end zone, right? Uh, yeah, pro- but you knew he was gone because yeah, no you knew he was there. Gone. Yeah, I do remember watching Harbaugh kind of started by us and just ran down the field. Yes, one thing like in baseball, you don't need to be a media member if you're in the lower bowl. Like you can feel like God, this guy's throwing hard, or how far a ball gets hit. Like you feel it. Like everyone in the stadium kind of feels it. In basketball. You got to be kind of low to truly get it. I mean, you call games, so you get to feel like, God, these guys are incredible. How fast is this moving? In football, really the best seats for media or just anyone is not that low. It's actually the second or third level because you kind of see the game. But you don't truly appreciate it. And I've worked in the NFL. You're not allowed on the field. Like the only people during games allowed on the field are like the coaches and the players. And the media is not allowed on the field in many stadiums. That's one of the only times during an NFL game I've been on the field, and I just vividly remember the Niners' pass rush and Matt Ryan thinking, "This is fucking insane!" Like, it, it the speed of the game, and you often hear this with hockey, you know, like TV doesn't do hockey justice. The NFL is probably the best TV sport, and I don't even know if TV does it quite justice. Like, doesn't it feel like the snap of your finger from snap to five-step drop to the guy's 20 yards down the field to a completion, how fast everything was moving? 
It was crazy. Yeah. I just remember watching like this. I, is yeah, to nuts. your point, if you happen to be in the right spot on a big play, it's better to be on the field. But you've got to be in the right spot. It's, it's just so many plays happen away from your spot where you're standing. And that play but happened I, to be right in front of us. But but I'm talking leading up to that play, that's one of the only times I stood on the field at Fresno State games, but it's not even close to that level of play, how fast everything's moving just from field level of the pass rush, of an offensive tackle set, to the quarterback, how fast he drops back, and then how fast the receivers are 15 yards down the field, which I swear to God feels like the blink of an eye. Like how all 22 guys, just the quickness of it all. Yeah. We did. We that, were, that's we were, what I remember about that moment. It's just we, like, God damn, that's crazy. Well, I remember feeling about Matt Ryan the way you and I felt about James Harden in 2015 in Game 2, Warriors-Rockets. Um, was that the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, it was the Finals, yeah. And, you know, the game the Warriors won when Steph and Clay trapped him at the end. And I mean, we, we were both sitting there going, this guy's not going to, even though he, I'm just looking at the box score right now, I think it was 13-21. to 21. But that night it was like he can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah. And that's how Matt Ryan felt. Didn't it? It felt like it was 30 for 30. It did. Well, it did. Every well, time he shot, it was terrifying. Well, let's just say this. If you go to the box score and I pulled it up and you just went, you didn't watch the game. You go, oh, one quarterback, 37 to 48 for 350. The other quarterback, 13 to 21 for 190. You'd be like, oh, Lamar Jackson versus Aaron Rodgers, right? That's... Kaepernick, that that's when the offense is kind of starting to fall apart. But you just the box score tells you Matt Ryan was playing a different sport than Colin Kaepernick, and this was in 2013, guy. Do you think we'll look back and and talk about like the Navarro Patrick Willis Niners, like it was the Ray Lewis, the the early 2000s Ray Lewis Ray, Raven defense without the Super Bowl? Like they had mm. the Super Bowl that validates them. They're one of the greatest defenses mm. of all time. No, because I think Seattle kind of gets that nod because they were. But they won the title. I'm talking about the Niners didn't win that super. Didn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, that's why you just Seattle was a rivalry and they were just the better team. Like you just, that's the thing. Like with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they were the rivalry forever for 15 years, but they both won championships. So, right, kinda, sorry, I just me, think you kind of get forgotten. Let me rephrase it. If they had won the championship, how would we remember that defense? That's just what I'm like, trying to ask. Like like Seattle, but no, like, yeah, not Baltimore's level. Yeah, I mean, Seattle was the number one scoring defense for like four straight years. I think statistically, when you look at Seattle during the regular season and then you look at they were able to get over the hump, and really they got to two Super Bowls in that run, the Niners were just a step below them. Even though it felt like – I've watched them. I felt like they were kind of equals, you know. And I think most – Seattle would even tell you. And I had a couple of people tweet at me like, I'm a Seahawks fan. Like that Niner team – those games were for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 NFC Championship game that the Niners would go on to lose, you know, a couple weeks later after that Navarro pick of the sticks, I think that was in December. It's probably a, a month later they play in Seattle at the end of January. That Do the Niners 100% beat Denver in the Super Bowl that Seattle crushed them I in? think so. They did lose. Upati snapped his ankle. Yeah, and Navarro, true. Like, they had two major injuries in that NFC Championship game. I do too, but Seattle crushed them. Maybe they didn't crush them, but they, I think they win. But they did. I mean, again, all-pro guard and an all-pro linebacker. Like they had two major injuries in that game. Um, It's hard. Now, I don't want to go like pre-Walsh 
era just because I didn't really see it. I mean, we have some appreciation for history. But if you did Mount Rushmore of 49ers defensive players, I mean, Ronnie Lott. Would be one. Bryant Young, I think, would have to be there. I think it goes Ronnie Lott and probably Patrick Willis, too. I mean, he's like a six-time All-Pro. Yeah, so then that's my question is, would the other two be Patrick and Navarro or just Patrick? Um, one thing that's weird about Patrick. Dion for one year? Yeah, I wouldn't even count him. No. Is that Patrick's best Fred couple of years? Patrick's really sweet years. Like his rookie, remember, he showed up as a rookie and was, I mean, he was an all-pro as a rookie. Oh seven, oh eight, or 9, 10. Those first four or five years, he was, you know, arguably they were kind of transitioning. It was going, Ray Lewis was getting older. He was becoming the best middle linebacker. But the teams weren't good. And then right kind of the, the end of his peak, Navarro shows up. And Navarro was like probably slightly better in like 11 and 12. But Patrick was still really good. It's too bad they never got to play together like in their peaks for like five straight years. It wouldn't even have been fair. I mean, it wasn't fair for like two years when they played together. They dominated. In in that game against the Falcons, I just looked up the box score. They combined for 25 solo tackles. (laughs) So of like the 60 offensive plays, 25 of the tackles just came to those two guys making the tackle by themselves. Wow. There wasn't one guy on the Falcons. I guess there were a couple guys on the Falcons that had like 10 solos, but yeah, they were. If you could have somehow combined the front of Willis Bowman, Alden, uh, who am I? Ahmad Brooks, scumbag, but Ray McDonald's a really good player, Glenn Dorsey, good nose tackle, and Justin Smith with. The 94 secondary, which was Eric Davis, Dion, Tim McDonald, Merton Hanks. I think you got the greatest defense of all yeah, time. Yeah, it'd be incredible. But then they'd be like, well, if you could put Mean Joe Green with Paul Amalu. Yeah, I mean, we could probably play that with a lot of teams. I'm glad you included Glenn Dorsey. Well, I'm just, if you got to include their front four, you know, front seven, he was one of the guys in the front seven. Uh, Yeah. Just ended fast. They did. It ended so fast, man. So fast. Uh, but he he even admitted, like, I do think he's right because he wasn't terrible with the Raiders. He could have kept playing. He kind of he kind of chose, and it kind of symbolizes everything he talked about and why he broke up with the Niners. He couldn't stomach. I'm not saying this is a positive or a negative, but not being an elite player. Like, that just didn't go well with him. He didn't like that feeling, I felt like, clearly. Like I, I'm not signing a veteran minimum deal to compete to be a you know to be a starter and then maybe a backup. Like I, I don't I can't do. I'd rather just make no money. He kind of acknowledged that. Like yeah. I'd rather just be out of the league than be a fringe dude for the Jaguars, right? Yeah, yeah. They. Um, I so wonder you if when you have Bowman, you just remember me as a good player, right? And I do wonder if you like it's one thing when you just slowly get old. He didn't slowly get old. He got devastatingly injured and I wonder if that makes it a little harder to come to terms with um, you're right like you're saying if you're like 37 years old yeah if you're 37 if if like I but I just mean if you never had a devastating injury but if what he was at 
28 was actually what he became at 32 because he didn't have that bad injury. Maybe he would have been okay being a 34-year-old, you know, third-best linebacker. God, he's 31 right now. I know. He just turned 31. You know so the that- crazy part is, like, when he came back, he led the league in tackles after the injury. Think about this. Joe Staley led the like NFL. five years older than him. Yeah. He's not that old now. No. But it, I watched some of the 49ers did like video of him. He was he played probably I'd say about 250. He said he was 220. He's just now. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah, he just looks good. He used to look just like a I New mean linebacker. they had, it, it felt he like looked like had, a linebacker, John. Yeah, they had two lions that were just there to eat. And in those two guys, I mean that's you don't see that many linebackers that hit that hard. I mean, their hits were just so hard. They, those guys, man. Chase anybody down. Yeah, I mean, F- Fred Warner ain't quite that. There's no shame in not being Navarro Bowman, though. No, no, no. But I'm just saying it just it's hard to go from that to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right, John. KD is out. Game three of the NBA Finals Wednesday night. No Durant. Uh, Shaq wants to recruit Clay to the Lakers, where Jason Kidd is the highest-paid assistant coach in the NBA. That's not a Warriors topic, but it just entertains me. Shaq um, say that? I think that Shaq's – yeah, that was Shaq saying, like, we got to get Clay. Go all in on Clay. Um, which, good luck. Uh, but Kyle Lowry says, I play better on the road, by the way, and DeMar DeRozan says, I'm rooting for him. I had to be the sacrificial lamb for them to get here. Sucks for him. That's brutal. We haven't talked about this. Tough to watch. But it, sacri- no, no, Demar, you were just traded. Yeah, well, like, sacrificial lamb. I don't think is the right way to say it. But I get what he's saying. It's like for them to get good, they I had to go because I got them Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, you you were just traded for a better player. Like it's, it happens a lot in sports. I, I just I struggle with the Demar one because he he's still not really over it. I feel like. Well, how that's I don't struggle with it. Like I don't think sacrificial lamb's the right phrase. But he knows. Maybe it makes well, it easier. Like, you know, if I was there this year, this wouldn't be happening because they needed Kawhi. I wish they, what if he had said, I wish they'd traded Kyle instead. But do you think he thinks that? That's my thing. If he thinks that, then yeah. But do you think, like, oh, he might think that, like, LeBron's gone from the, from the East. We, they could have gotten there with me. Yeah. Which I wouldn't blame him if he thinks that. I, and I don't know if he thinks that. If he thinks that, then yeah, he, he's okay to be. Now, I don't blame him for being mad if he didn't want to leave, which clearly he didn't want to leave, right? If you don't want to leave some place and they get rid of you, you're just going to be bitter. Is uh, Drew Schiller, is he active for the Warriors tonight? Uh, I mean, you probably give him like a couple threes. Give him 10 minutes? I don't know. I mean, it's just... If I told I want... you one guy can come back for the series, Clay or KD... I mean, personally, I'd rather see Clay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if both of them are healthy, you, you just take the better player. Uh, if Clay does miss tonight, and as of recording, I mean, we probably won't find out if he plays till thirty minutes before game time. I'm guessing he's going to play. Yeah. But if he doesn't play, if the Raptors lose, they might as well just call the series after tonight, right? You can't lose without Clay and Kevin. Like, you right. just can't lose that game if you're the Raptors and be taken seriously, have a chance to win the series. Yeah. 
Because you can't say that they have no chance to win the series. Because if they win tonight, I mean, it's a legitimate series. Uh, but if they lose without Clay, I, I think the narrative, and rightfully so, will be this team has no chance to win this series. And I would agree with that. But I don't like if Clay doesn't play tonight, then the Raptors should be favored. One hundred percent. I also think it's a huge night for Steph Curry to kind of flex his muscles. Like, can Steph have a Michael Jordan or a LeBron type game? Because that, I heard Simmons. Not if they box and won him. Well, I mean, the Warriors tried to do that shit with LeBron. You know, it's just like, are you an unstoppable force? Like, could you get twenty assists? Now, I mean, again, you're throwing who you're throwing the ball to. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, can NBA you players just watch taking the... open shots are still NBA players taking open yeah, shots. One hundred. Can you just watch the game and go, God, Steph was incredible. Like, yeah. the fucking drop the mics. You have no angles anymore. He's won MVPs, won championships. Second best, just stop. There, there are no more arguments moving forward. Or does he have one of those nights where, can you just go LeBron? You know, I'd say even if you lose, but Steph has like 37, 12, and 10. You're just like, God, he was incredible. They need one of these guys to come back because he can't, he can't do anymore. That's where we got with LeBron. Remember last year? It was like, listen, I, I'm not even that big of a LeBron guy anymore, but you can't dispute how elite he was, with even with nobody. You know, You're not getting an argument from me. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean there are, like, Greg Papa thinks LeBron's overrated. It's like, fucking Greg, you're put down the weed, bro. You're just, he's one of the greatest players ever. He's dominant. Whoa, 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 don't denigrate weed. What? No, in decision making. Well, sometimes you know it just gets you on the wrong path. Like it makes me smarter. You're right. <laughs> As well, in the CBD. What year is this, John? But I, I do, I do think it would be a, a resume game for Steph that if you just went like 30, 15, and ten with you, Iguodala, and Draymond, and like the who else are they going to play? Jarebko's the. Because you're not getting that much credit for Boogie. It's not like, they got this fifth All-Star. Because everyone's watching him like, that. he sure doesn't look like an All-Star. I know he had a good game, but he moves really slow. He's just, he's not like, he's not going to get like $10 million this offseason a year. He's going to sign again for a mid-level exception, I would right. imagine. So. Probably with the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, so is your prediction on this game tonight based solely on uh, whether or not Clay plays? If Clay plays, they win. If Clay doesn't, they lose. Is that what you're saying, or you're not? If, no, no, I, I think the Warriors, I'm, I'm picking the worst. Yeah, I am too. I just think the crowd's gonna be. But without Clay, I, I like I I feel confident about that with Clay, even though we don't even really know if he plays what he can give you. But without him, I to me it's a borderline McGlinchey coin toss. Well, the line dropped for next a little week. bit. O- opened at six, now at four and a half. So. Which to me feels just more proper, regardless. And if Clay doesn't play, I would imagine that thing closes at like one. If that thing closes at one, I'd I'd jump on the Warriors. Mybookie.ag promo code ham one. Still sneaky works. Yeah, <laughs> works all year long. It is a big Steph night. You're right. I think it's a big Draymond night for sure. But I think Draymond's like legacy's just a set in stone. Well, like I- Steph, when you're like, because Draymond's not battling to ever be like a top ten player ever. And no. that's where I, that's where I do think the I, I know what you're saying, but well, what I was going to say actually is more like MVP for the series related. Like yeah, if you think- win this game, whoever, which if somebody whoever has the best game for the Warriors in this game, and to your point, this is probably what you're saying, right? For you to win this game, it, it would have to be Steph. Like Draymond's best game doesn't win you this game if Steph isn't great. But this is a game where Steph can win the series MVP tonight. 
Yeah. I, I guess Draymond could throw his hat in the ring if he had like a 20, 20, and 17, right? Just like that's the most remarkable game I've ever seen by a human, right? Because he could do that. And he, like he's, I, not, he's got that in the bag too, don't you think? Well, yeah. He, like he doesn't have in the bag. God, Draymond scored 37? No. God. But he does have. Don't. Oh, fuck. Did he just do 17, 22 boards, and 14 assists? Like he could have that. Which is that the greatest triple double in NBA history? He could do. He could have that. Like, because his triple doubles are the opposite of Russell Westbrook's. You're like, Russell's triple. That, was that really a triple double? Draymond's are. Did he make every play on every possession tonight? Because that's how it feels sometimes with him. Yeah. And, and four blocks. What do you think? And checks Kawhi. You know. What do you he, think Draymond's career high for points is? Well, I was at the game seven of the NBA Finals when he scored, I think, 34, 32 and hit like seven threes. That has to be up there. Mm. I don't remember too many. Maybe this is regular season then. Because uh, I've got, this says 31 is his career high at Chicago in 2014. Yeah, that, that his career high happened in game seven of the NBA Finals. Because he has scored more than 31 in that game. I'm pretty sure it was 34, but it might have been 32. Uh, I'll tell you right now, that was he didn't he didn't miss a shot. It was stupid. Uh, where's his playoff log? The reason I bring it up uh, is just that when you said so, he had he had 32. Well, the only way he's going to score that many is he's going to have to hit five or six threes because he they don't run the offense through him in the low block. Like, so he just, he gets some layups. He'll never get like, he hit four mid range jumpers. Cause that's not his game. So it'd be threes, some dunks. I just, th- what I was Back- getting at though, is like his, if he were ever to have a 37 or a 30, like to me, 30, what is the threshold? I think like 36 is like in another world from 32, 37. But, how, but, but my thing is, how does he get to 36? No, no, no. But forget, before we get to how he gets there, to me, that would look like a Steph 55. 100. It, it, it and he would have like to be Steph hitting 70. Threes. Yeah, I, I, it would be one of the most incredible scoring performances I will have ever witnessed if he could hit. I feel like 30. What do you think the next tier is? I'd say 30 for Draymond feels like another elite player's 50, right? Because that game 7-32 felt like a 50. Yeah. thirty. So 37 would feel like 60. Yeah, it would feel like it Mr. would be. I just, I, I think he would be if he roar. I mean, it would be. How would he, let's just say how would he get there? Six threes, that's eighteen. Uh, four more layups, that's eight. So he's at twenty six. Couple fouls, some free bunch throws. Of, bunch, hits, it'd be a bunch of fouls. So eight more free throws, that's six plus eight, that's thirty four. And then maybe like just a jumper, he was left open, that's thirty six. That'd be pretty nuts. But how does he get fouled a lot? Rebounds? Like layups? Yeah. Yeah, just putbacks? I don't know. They, so the, the game, he, he had might, 32. He had 32, 15, and 9. But only pretty, shot four free throws. So Six of pretty, eight from three. That's a pretty good game seven. That's what, That has to be one of the most under-the-radar game seven performances of all time by a, by a high-level player. He yeah. had what? 30, 32 and what? 32, 15, and 9. Like, can you imagine if that he did was... miss? He did have a little more energy because he missed a game. What was LeBron's line that night? Uh, I bet it wasn't that. LeBron had. Uh, this was a low-scoring game. LeBron had 27, 11, and 11. 
9389 or something 27 11 and 11 so whose game's better well lebron had the big lebron had three blocks how many draymond have none and he had the he had the big iggy block how many turnovers steph have that game about nine i think steph Four. even went on record the other day they're like he takes responsibility for the loss he was 619 Never. that day Remember Four he had fourteen one, from three. He had the one turnover like under five minutes, oh, like with oh my over to, you god, mean it, trying to get it to Clay like behind the back at the three point line right arc. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like this is game seven in the NBA Finals. This isn't June, or I mean, this isn't January. Oh no, it wouldn't have been right arc. That was a different. Game. That was what play am I thinking of? Yeah, it was coming down the other way. I yeah, think, it would have they... been going right to left on the TV. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right, good. I'm excited. I'm fired up for this game, John. Me too. Okay. We're also fired up to play George Kittle. Again, next week it'll be McGlinchey. Uh, a ton of good stuff here from Kittle. We're going to talk about the conversation after the interview. Um, anything we should say beforehand? One of the best tight ends in the NFL. Came in yeah. uh, sleeveless. It just had the cupping thing done. Little circles all over his right arm and shoulder. Does nice. Yeah, we so we start by talking about that with him because he sits down and we, you said like, yeah, he does nice. He says you'll hear it in the question coming up here. But he doesn't do that. He's got a different mindset. Um, he came he in while we were Vance, Vance McDonald actually taught him. Yeah, gave Vance. He came in while we were talking to McGlinchey and just like chilled in the back for a minute. Was not in a Those, rush. Was pretty low key. We've talked to our fair amount of players over the years. They were two of the more laid back, easier to talk to ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's. By far. Yeah. By a mile. So we're at Levi Stadium. And uh, thanks to the Niners staff for, for setting this stuff up for us and making it easy for us and giving us our own little space. Love you guys. Beckler, yeah. Bob Lang, friends of the show. Yeah, we appreciate you. Um, all right, uh, let's get to it, John. Here is Haberman and Middlecoff with George Kittle at Levi Stadium. All right, George, a lot to talk about with you, but let's start with what we just learned about you, which is that you are, I've never heard anybody describe themselves as a placebo effect guy. Yeah, uh, well, when it comes to maintaining like body maintenance and stuff like that, um, either it's off-season or in-season, uh, I think that if you think it works, it's going to work for you, and if you don't think it works, it's not going to work for you. That's just how I feel it is. Like, you know, I don't ice tub, but I cup, I dry needle, I like massages, then I kind of just keep it into there. It feels like everyone in the NFL ice tubs, especially during training camp. I don't know. Like when uh, I was here with Vance McDonald my fr- my rookie year, he's I don't I never saw him once touch an ice tub, and he's just a train that just keeps rolling. So yeah. I, I he can fly. So he can fly. And so uh, I did it a lot in college, but um, you get sore. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I get really sore. But I'm more of a like Normatech boots, uh, and keep your feet up that type of stuff. I never was really an ice tub guy. Do you get recognized a lot more this offseason than last year? Um, I mean, NFL's record for receiving yards by a tight end. You know, I still get – me and CJ still get confused. I get confused for CJ still. Still, You do look like him a little bit. No, he looks like me. <laughs> Come on now. No, I still – that happens to me often still. But uh, a little bit more. But honestly, I, I'm not really out in public a lot. I go from here – I'm here to like five or six every night, and then I go home and I hang out with my wife. So that's about all I do. I'm not really out in public. I mean, last year, I think for a lot of people, 
there was hype on you coming into the season, and then clearly once Jimmy went down, it would have been somewhat of an excuse, but you just went on and just kept on going on and kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were telling us before, like, if you believe it, it will happen or whatever. Did you see that coming? Um, you know, like I'm, I'm really not a guy that I'm not, I don't really set. I'm not even talking about records. the record. Yeah, no, the numbers, but just the, just the play at the, at the pro bowl level. Uh, I mean, coach Shanahan gives, you know, gave me a lot of opportunities to be able to do stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of it is, uh, my tight ends coach, John Embry, like he's more of a, you know, if you figure out your way to do it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you do it my way. So if you figure out your way to do it and it works for you. I just want you to play football and play it fast. I don't want you to think about a lot of things. So that was really nice for me. And, I mean, honestly, a lot of it was just, you know, second year in the offense because it's a dense playbook. And that's one of the hardest things, I think, is just being able to hear the play in the huddle, go to the line, and instead of just saying, okay, I'm in this spot for this formation, I have this route, you can say, I'm here, I got this route, but also I need an outside release. I need to, um, you know, I need to take a short step on this guy. Like, you can just process what's going on. You're not just thinking about the play. So, that just slowed things down for me and let me play at a fast level. Has it even gone to another level this year? Because I see you out there flying around. It feels yeah, it like feels really good. Mastery of the offense, would you say? Uh, I feel a lot better. I mean, I've, I've all, I gained like eight pounds of muscle too, so a little bit thicker and uh, still got speed. What about the relationship on the field with Jimmy? Obviously, with the time he missed, but now that he's back, how would you assess that? Uh, definitely, um, definitely getting better. As every every practice, that's what's nice. Um, and he, he I mean he he's making plays left and right. I mean that's just who he is, and so it's really fun to have him back. Um, but yeah, being able just to just get back on the same page with him is it's really fun. It seems like out there, I know Debo didn't practice today, but he's looked good in the couple practices mm-hmm. I've been at. Pettis looks good flying around. Yes. Tel- Telvin Coleman is you know going to be a big addition. Big your offense because last year felt like you were the offense because you guys had so many injuries, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Does it feel a little more balanced? Like you now, like we can really do some things. Yeah, there's a lot of weapons on the field, and I mean, like like I said, second year is a lot different than your first year. Dante has a full understanding of the playbook. He's been in it a year. This is his third install. He's gone through from like rookie minicamp to um, post. I mean, sorry, to regular season, and now another OTAs yeah. he's going through. So now it's just coming on easy, and so now he's just playing ball, and so that, that's really fun to see, and that's. I mean, Tevin's he's been in the offense before. Uh, yeah, it just he it's, looks he looks pretty sweet out there. Yeah, he's he's smooth. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's fun to it's fun to have a lot of guys out there that Jimmy doesn't really have to make a choice pre snap. He's just like I'm making my reads and everyone can get open. It's awesome. What do you think looking back uh, in the draft, people missed? I mean, we we looked this year. Noah Fant went eight. TJ went eight. Fant went twenty. Fant went twenty yes. to Denver. Um, mm-hmm. Like, do you think if one of those guys had come out three years ago, you would have gone eight or twenty in this year's draft? I don't know. I mean, um, I was hurt basically my entire senior year, so I get that, and I didn't really have a lot of numbers. I'm pretty sure a hey, Tritt had more catches in one game than I did my entire senior season. So, or it's like I had one more than he did. So, like, I mean, I wasn't really a productive guy in college, but um, you know, gave me a little chip on my shoulder. But you know, I'm just happy for the opportunity to be in the NFL. It did feel like the the year play. Obviously, they're really talented, but definitely helped. Yeah, they both owe me a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm serious. A million I mean, each. Each. I've told them. I told them both my Venmo too. So I'm just waiting on that. <laughs> There's a daily limit. I think it might be several. They should. They should start now. Then I'm <laughs> waiting on it. You know what's crazy? Seeing Richard out there forever. It was Richard. Like that's the guy they got in the fifth round, and he became you know a borderline Hall of Famer. I'm gonna mm-hmm. probably be a Hall of Famer one day. Yeah. Now it's like the entire league. I mean, I talked to my buddies are scouting all over. You are the guy that I don't know, fifth round George Kittle. Like you're the new guy right now. Does that is that cool or does that kind of piss you off? Like, fuck this! I should have gone the first. 
Oh, no, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously. because your production, but even just the fifth round, I mean, for a guy, how well you worked out, the program you were coming from. I mean, um, yeah, first round would have been nice. It's a little bit better signing bonus. But uh, What did you think going into the draft, like, round-wise? Did you? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think my agent told me earlier is probably the fourth and latest would be undrafted. So, give or take, you kind of expected where you went. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, it was – I will say this. The um, the NFL draft is brutal yeah. for guys that don't know, like, what round they're going. Because, I mean, even, like, I've guys that were on my team, like, their agent's like, hey, you're anywhere from – you know, like fifth, sixth, seventh, easy, and they went undrafted. So like those last yeah. that last, that last day is long and it's brutal. Um, because you know it's just like you know your dreams to go to the NFL and you're not hearing your name called and like you compare yourself to the guys that are you know in your position getting drafted before you. It's it's hard, but um, you know it really matters. Draft position doesn't really matter. It's but what you do on the field. What's crazy is you and your teammate Desmond King. Also, I mean Desmond didn't go very high, and he was, yeah. and he's gone yeah. on to be one of the better slot corners in the NFL. I, every, he makes plays every time I watch Chargers play. Yeah, first team All-Pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, you see him round. at the Pro Bowl and high-five him? Yeah, he actually didn't go to that. He didn't go to that, which is I think is BS. But um, he, didn't get, he didn't make the Pro Bowl? But he was first team All-Pro. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Crazy. I mean, you'd much rather That's be an All-Pro. Yeah. Were you first team All-Pro last year? Second. Who was first, Gronk? Kelsey. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess Gronk had it down regular season. Yeah, he just had a normal season. Yeah. <laughs> You ever talked to Welker about him? Uh, no, not really. Um, really, all I, I talk to Welker about is routes because we we do a lot of similar stuff that uh, he has done before. So hearing his take on it is pretty incredible. Just learning from him. In what ways? Like, what what did he do? Just like you know, like, hey, what, like when you're running this route against this coverage. Let's just say you're running a choice against man. They're stacked in coverage. Like, what are you looking for? And then he'll say, Well, I'm looking at this guy, how he moves. It's based on the release of the wide receiver releasing for you. Um, just, like, seeing it through his eyes is very helpful. Feels like you've got some pretty smart offensive coaches out there. Very. There's a lot of guys out there that know a lot about football. Just, like, stupid amount of knowledge it's, between it's Kyle. It's crazy. And, yeah, like, it's crazy. How would you describe Kyle's, like, uh, offensive mind? Oh, geez. Um, like I said, dense playbook. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, Mike McDaniels and uh, Mike LaFleur, they're, like, translators for Coach Shanahan. <laughs> Because he'll get up there and talk, and then they will talk to us afterwards and explain what he was saying. Um, he does a great job, though, like Kyle. I mean, everything, I mean, week in and week out, the game plan is so different. You're basically learning a new offense every week, which is just, uh, it's challenging, but at the same time, it's really fun because you don't really ever get, um, I mean, nothing's ever stagnant. It's always, everything's new, everything's fresh, and it's uh, it's really fun, especially like when you see, I mean, for example, the, um, my, what was it, 82 yards against the Chargers, literally, on, we were installing it on Wednesday of the Chargers week, and he goes, hey, Kittle, um, if you just you know break out and then turn up field, if you give eyes, and CJ looks this way, the safety's going to go that way, the back is going to drop you, and you'll have an 80-yard touchdown as long as you don't trip and fall. And it works exactly like that. Exactly like he said it. And he's, cool. the same thing for the Broncos game, the 85-yarder. He said, George, just don't trip and fall. You're in the way to the end zone. Uh, Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper, Falcon said that he used to just call things, and you'd be like, oh, "Okay, yeah." Literally. And then in the game, like third quarter, he'd make the play call, and they do was exactly where he said he. Does that happen every game for you? It really does, and it, what's so disappointing is when, like, when it doesn't happen. Whether it's like someone has an MA or like something, ha- like one guy loses, and it could have happened because every time he says it's going to happen, I'm pretty sure he's been wrong once, like yeah. in the entire. It's it's crazy when he calls a play, it almost always works. It's insane. That's wild. How, how does he have that? What, what is it about him? I, he just does a really good job of like, um, 
I'm trying to think. I think what he said for the Broncos one, he was like, hey, when we run, it's a play action. It's like a fake insert play. Then I'm going to go across the field, play action. He's like, hey, this backer um, gets lost in the play action. So just don't let him get hands on you. And because of Marquise is running like a delta, which is like a um, like a jet sweep yeah. in the backfield, they're going to get lost and come up field. Literally, and he's like, just George, slow play it and don't trip. Slow play it a little bit. Guy had bad eyes. I went right behind him. Safety goes the opposite direction, following Keese, and I'm wide open. How, mu- how much every week are you guys just slightly tweaking something here and there because they're defense? Like, you have an offense, but like you said, take a step here, take a step there, yeah, I, like slight I, difference. I mean, I'm, like, when I say the offense is totally different every week, yeah. it's almost no play is the exact same, whether it's formations, um, whether it's uh, routes, concepts, everything's different. So, like, when you hear, like, for example, because they're winning – McVeigh gets all this hype, like yeah. he's the offensive genius. Mm-hmm. But I hear you guys talk, and the way people talk about Kyle, like I would imagine you run through a wall saying, "This is the smartest SOB I've ever been around." Hundred percent. Yeah, like there, there can't be a, there might be equally smart, but you can't be smarter than him when it comes to offense. Is no. that fair? Yeah. No, I mean, I, there's nothing more I like than being in Kyle's offense. It's incredible. Have you ever seen him laugh really hard? Um. Oh, geez. Uh. Yeah. I, I mean, when when we win. He's uh, the happiest guy I've seen, and uh, it's it's really fun. Could you get him on the beer chugging challenge? You think, or see? Oh, he would go all in. Do you think he if, could... if you if you could get him to go against Jimmy G, he'd be all in. <laughs> Who would win? Would you take? I mean, if it's tequila, Jimmy G. <laughs> wow, you're the second person to say that. <laughs> tequila is he like the Clooney one? Forty two. Is that good? Yeah, that or Casamigos. Nineteen forty two. Don oh, Julio. Oh yeah. Casamigos is it's that Clooney's. Is that Clooney, right? Yeah. Clooney's is pretty good. Jimmy, Clooney Jimmy wears probably. a Casamigos hat. <laughs> Clooney's, I could see those two rolling around. I bet him and Clooney could be buddies. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. You know, you're a married man, but yes. there's a famous saying around here. It might have been Randy Cross. It might have been someone else when they said that when they went out with Joe Montana, it was definitely an offensive lineman, you just got better looking. Like, you just walk in with Joe, you get, you get Joe-like attention. Is it like that with Jimmy? Um, can I plead the fifth on that? One? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. For other people, do you think it's like that with Jimmy? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, hey, Jimmy G is Jimmy G. Jimmy GQ, no, all that stuff. He and he handles himself really well. So, but yeah, um, when you go somewhere, with Jimmy, it's. I mean, yeah, people notice him. Yeah, He's, I mean, all, his face is on the stadium. <laughs> Come on. I mean, in all seriousness, just watching him like just out there. Obviously, we've seen him play. Like, I mean, how good. Sky the limit for him. Literally, yeah. You, I I wish people could see all the throws that he makes in practice. Like he had one, I don't know. It was like a pressure situation. Like he kind of missed. Like the first read didn't work out. Kind of rolls to his left. Throws a side arm sidearm ball in between three guys and hits a wide receiver directly in the chest. I feel like his arm's almost a little underrated. Very, very yeah. underrated. He's yeah. He's he's got some power. All right, we want to uh, speed around with you. Just fire some questions at you. Okay, hit me up. Okay. Uh, I watched your 10 best plays from last year, and I thought you could have – there was a bunch of them that were big that weren't – didn't end up being touchdowns, but maybe almost were touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favorite play from 2018? My personal favorite yep. play? Oh, my. Uh, like, my, for myself? Your, your play, yeah. Like, was it the Raiders Thursday night game where you, like, split three guys? Was it the long touchdown? Something we're not talking about. It wasn't the Raiders game because that's when I broke my ribs, so that wasn't fun for me. <laughs> um, I, I The Broncos game just overall was just – it was like nothing I could do went wrong. It was like, I don't know. It, that was just, I've had so much fun. But, yeah, when you uh, run for 60 yards in open field, there's not much more fun than that. That was incredible. Who would you rather go to Vegas with, Kyle Shanahan or Kirk Ferentz? Casino Kirk would be pretty fun. Whoa. Is, is Kirk a sleeper? Not, he... Sleeper. 
I bet you, you know I've he'd be enjoyable. Uh, I think so. He gets a bad rap for being a little bit of a stiff. He's got a oh, little fun in him. He is hilarious. I. When he's in a team meeting room, KF is one of the funniest guys I've ever. <laughs> Casino Kirk. Casino Kirk, and because he's also like, if you, like he has an accent too, yeah. and it's oh, yeah, I'd go to Vegas with Kirk. I wouldn't heartbeat. Uh, you were born ten pounds ten ounces. Yes, I was. It's almost eleven pounds. That's more weight than you gained in this off season of muscle. <laughs> Are you concerned at all for you know your future child potentially, uh, what that could mean? Well, my wife is five eleven. She played basketball at Iowa, and I'm six. Three and seven eighths, according to the combine. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some big kids. Round up. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, uh, I'm looking. I'm actually really looking forward to that. She says like two to three years, and I was like, hey, if I make it twelve months, I'll be happy. What's the best part of being an NFL player? The best part of being an NFL player, I get paid to play football, which is like my favorite thing. So that's the best part. I uh, I wake up every day. I play football in California. The sun's shining ninety five percent of the year, and I, I get to catch passes and. I get paid for Direct it. deposits hit on Monday or Tuesday? I want to say Tuesday night or Wednesday. Okay, we've talked about this before. John and I, we wonder this. I don't remember, We were talking about it the other day, like about one of the Warriors owners. But how often do you check your – like every day do you check the phone, the bank account? No. How often do NFL players, you think, check the bank account just to make sure it's all still there? Uh, in season or out of season? Because out of season is kind of stressful because you don't really get a paycheck. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, no, but it's it's – it, yeah, it's like, got to be weird because I mean, the money's flowing and then it just stops. Stops. I will say, like, when the player performance check comes in March, that's always exciting. Is that the bonus for working out? That, well, no, it's the bonus for how many plays you played. It's uh, like a fifth-round player. I played over 1,000 snaps. It's it's a nice bonus. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you're undrafted free agent, you get a, those guys. Like, I'm pretty sure who was it? it was the Patriots had a starting center who was undrafted and played every snap of, like, one of the years they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he probably made five hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So that's a huge bonus to being a lay round pick. If you do make it for a couple of years, you make decent little side cash. Yeah, like Trent Brown was a seventh round pick, and he played every snap for like three and a half years. Yeah, that, that's a bonus. Who's the toughest player you ever had to block? Uh, I mean, Cleo Max, Cleo Mack, and Von Miller's Von Miller. Um, hmm. But I was like the one game I wanted back was Cleo Mack got me in a couple pass rushes, but. I think one of the most underrated or like not talked about guys is Chandler Jones. Yeah, I think he's incredible. Yeah, he's a beast. He is incredibly strong. He's fast. He's got some really, really good like smooth vet moves. He, he does... was so good in the game here last year. Oh yeah, he had like three first turners. Like no, but he's he he just makes plays because he has those long arms. And like I said, he's got some veteran things where like if he knows he's getting blocked, he'll anchor down and he'll push the tight end back into the running back so he can't slip underneath it. He does some things that not a lot of people do. So how, I like him. How good can the San Francisco 49ers be this year? Hey, I think we can be as good as we want to be. Um, you know, as long as we have the right mindset going into every single game that we expect to win. And, you know, we got we to gotta finish because I think that was our thing last year. We were, I think we lost, what was it, like seven or eight games in the fourth quarter that we lost by like less than seven points. So, I mean, if we finish half of those, we win eight games next, last year. So, we just can finish. I think we can, we, we can make a run. What do you think it takes for me to get unblocked on Twitter? Unblocked on Twitter. I honestly don't really know what I did. Um, I do you know what he did? No, I did you? I I, I blocked a lot of people after I dropped that pass against Minnesota. I'll tell you that. See, I don't. Doesn't think seem I, like your style. Yeah, no, I'm not a. Last there was a lot of hype on you coming into the season. I I, I feel like I didn't get blocked till midseason, and I was just telling everyone pump the brakes. But then you exceeded Bad bet. No, so it either goes... But I wasn't being... No, I was never negative on I it. I can unblock you. It's fine. No, but either it's either a zero tolerance thing or it's a, like, 
my someone was talking crap on CJ on Twitter. He's gone. Yeah. I defend my teammates. I, I, I mean, I, I that might have been could have been it. Yeah, yeah. See. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's your yeah. guy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Everyone here's my boy. But yeah, see, CJ. That's that, where it was. That's probably. a soft spot okay. for me. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it's all right. I man. probably deserve to say. I'll give there. you a second. I'll, I'll give you a second <laughs> chance. George, we appreciate it, man. Thanks, of man. course. Thanks no, thanks, time. guys. Good luck. Keep crushing. Yeah, of course. All right. There was George Kittle. Have you been unblocked yet? Have you checked? Uh, no, because... Might not be high on his to-do list right now. Yeah, and I, he was... Like I told him, probably just keep me blocked. I mean, I just... I'm not going to be... If TJ's got to play, I don't know if I can be positive. Uh, that's right, John. This is not about uh, cheerleading. I did have some Raider fans who were being cool hit us up like, Homer? But like a couple guys DM me like just being funny. It's like... Uh, yeah, you know, they, you get access, you do interviews. It's pretty simple. What'd they say? Just being funny. Just like, look at these nine or home. But like in like a funny way. Oh. I see you guys or whatever. Preparing for the move. That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown's welcome to come on the podcast whenever uh, Mark Bedane allows it. <laughs> uh, so we, we, know you're li- we know you're listening, Mark. So just we're, we're ready. Kittle said a lot. Um, I think the one thing that I really took away was, you know, the conversation about Kyle one of the many things that we talked about with George there. Uh, very meaty. And, uh, I mean, I love the analysis of one of the plays where he said, one of the things Kyle said, as long as you don't trip, this play is going to work. It's pretty impressive. I mean, you could see, looking at his face, like he was he, he, he had 50 examples on deck he could have given us for all the things Kyle has told him that have worked out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, there's no argument that the player belief in that room on their coach is super high. And you had a great quote before we started recording today. He's got to be the maybe the lone guy in the league right now that his record, now granted it's only a two-year record, does not match up with the way people talk about him. Around the league, we've said it over and over, like, see you on the hot seat? Well, you fire him tomorrow, he would be hired immediately. Like, he would have his pick of the litter of jobs. So, that's what the league thinks of him. And then the players, it's well known now the way they think about him. So, to me, it's just simple. Like, it's time now. Now, obviously, this is dependent, and the contingency here is Jimmy playing 16 games. If Jimmy plays 16 games, you got to make the playoffs. You just got to. Like, Sean McVay showed up, and they made the playoffs. Just make the playoffs. Care how you get there. Don't care what your record is. Just make the playoffs. Win a wild card. It's time. This is the year, 2019. Make the playoffs. Because a coach that good guy doesn't go three or four years out making the playoffs. It's not just how – it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, he's getting next year no matter what happens. Well, I'm, but so I, I wouldn't I agree. fire him anywhere. I, that's, not the, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's time now. Yeah, you're saying it's time because you think they're ready to do it? Or you're saying it's time – what do you mean by it's time? Well, I'm just saying if you're that good of a coach, like you make the playoffs. One time you're saying if years. they don't make the playoff, you don't you begin to doubt if he's actually that good of a coach. No, I'm just saying it's this year. It's just you just make the playoffs this year if you're that good of a coach. The way I think about him, the way I talk about him, just time to do it. I don't think there's like he not. I'm not going to fire him or anything, but we'll have the conversation. I don't know, like crush. I, I don't even. I'm just saying it's just time. It's just that's just it. It's fucking time to make the playoffs. But there is a scenario where they don't make the playoffs, and you still think highly of him as a coach. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, 100%. But my point Like, they go 8-8, eight eight, the NFC's really good. That 8-8 does, eight eight doesn't equate to the playoffs. That would be an extremely disappointing year. Like, I, I think anything but the playoffs is going to feel like an extremely disappointing year for this team. Just that simple. 
from the fans. I mean, they've been they've been so shitty because the hype on this guy, the way all these fans keep hearing their players talk about him. Usually, don't see a coach get spoken about like this and cons- consistently get their ass kicked. Now, obviously, half the you know part of the team is not under his control. I mean, it technically is, but he's not a defensive guy. That would maybe start being a knock, right? You know, if their offense is really good and the reason they go eight and eight because they lost a couple shootouts, you go, well, the knock on he doesn't know anything about defense. Like Andy overcomes it, right? His defenses have been shitty the last couple of years. Didn't phase them at all. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's if you, you're telling me if he doesn't make the playoffs, you'll think you'll still think he's a good coach. Yeah, like it's pretty well established. He knows what he's doing. But at the end of the day, like being this elite offensive mind and all the stuff we talk about him, like we just casually talk about him, like him and Sean McVay, and you and I think like yeah. I don't think there's a difference. Yeah, you know, I think Sean. You'd look like you work for the 49ers right now if you pick Sean, or I mean, pick Kyle over Sean, because the evidence we have. This is a year where Kyle can throw his hat back in the ring. Are you sure? Just for the casual guy, let alone like, because I, I struggle to even say that right now. Like I, I know Sean could get me to the Super Bowl. Like Kyle's never, in the one time Kyle made it to the Super Bowl. Now he was the offensive coordinator, but let's call. He probably should call some runs. Now, you know that's. I think the argument would be, well, Dan Quinn should have told him his job score points, whatever. But it's just time. You, you don't be – the way we talk about him, like he's one of the best coaches in the league when it comes to offense. If you're that good, like Andy doesn't miss the playoffs. Sean McVay doesn't miss the playoffs, guy. No, I get it all. I understand that it's – I agree Bruce that it's Arians time. Bruce showed up to Arizona and went 10-6 and six year one when Seattle and San Francisco were good. I agree that it's time, but my point is a lot of times when we talk like that, that means there's – like to me, what's different about him is I think he's got a lot of equity for a guy that hasn't put it on paper as a head coach, like internal equity with his players and with his organization. And yeah, I think I mean, it makes it a pretty anytime soon. Yeah, but I think it makes it a pretty unique situation if he's if if he's such a high level coach that he doesn't make the playoffs at a time that we think it's time to make the playoffs, and we still think that he's a high level coach. Now, part of that is like we'd have to. What does it look like? How does it all play out? Uh. Like, if you go four years up making the playoffs, so he misses this year and then he misses next year, it starts getting the feel like Harbaugh's experiencing some of this in Michigan, and he's had way more success than Kyle. It's like, come on, Jim. we got to make the playoffs here. We don't right. even need I didn't, include, I didn't throw next year in there. You threw next year in there. Yeah, but he's not – He's not. you're not going to upgrade. Like, it's clear he's a really good coach, but – No, no, really I'm saying I didn't say he didn't make – I didn't say he doesn't make the playoffs in 2020. You added 2020. Well, I'm just starting to – I'm just saying like a four-year span because you could argue three is really short. I just know good coaches, we can do studies on this, they make the playoffs very quickly. They make the playoffs very quickly. And that, that's an argument kind of against Jim Harbaugh, like Saban, Urban, like boom, their second season or third season, they always went like 12-1. and one. Like Kyle, like Andy's first season in Kansas City, boom, started winning. Now, you could argue the team was better, whatever. You're in year three now. Year three when you've kind of been in charge, too. So it's like this is the year. I, Jimmy plays 16 games. To me, it'll be, it'll be, it won't be good. You got to fucking make the playoffs. Yeah, I think if this team goes eight and eight and doesn't make the playoffs, that will be disappointing. I agree yes. with that. Is it bad? I don't know that it'll look bad at eight and eight. I don't know. It might. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but 
Like, well, is this organization the really in a position? Say, is this organization really in a position where we can just say eight and eight would just bottom line look bad? There's no way around it. I don't think they're there. Well, see, here's where I would disagree. They have what's wildly considered a top five offensive coach, who's their head coach in the NFL. And so you go, who are the other ones? McVay, Andy, Peyton, uh, Bill O'Brien. The offensive minds all around was rattling off playoffs every year. So you go, okay, was well, he a first-year guy turning over? No, he's been there three years. Go, okay, they have a quarterback. Yeah, they got this guy that the league views when he's on the field as fucking a baller, and they paid him huge money. So you got the quarterback and the coach. Like, you just find a way to overcome. Now, if the, if it's eight and eight, like if they end up at eight and eight because they had a top five scoring offense, but they had the worst scoring defense in the league, you go, that that would be something, but. That would be the only scenario where I'd go, okay, I can understand 8-8. Eight eight. To me, I, I'm with you. This organization, quote-unquote, can't complain about 8-8. Eight eight. The only time well, I just mean like last year, Dallas went 10-6. and six, Philly went 9-7. and seven, Chicago went 12-4. and four, The Saints went 13-3. and three, The Rams went 13-3. and three, The Seahawks went 10-6. and six. Those were your playoff teams. Uh, Minnesota missed the playoffs at 8-7-1. and one. Yeah, but they had, just, they had just come off the NFC Championship. No, I'm just talking about what it takes to make the playoffs in the NFC. I, the way I look at it, guy, it's pretty black and white, and I know there's nuance, and I know there's context to all this stuff, but you just rattle off a bunch of coaches, like Pete Carroll immediately starts making the playoffs. Mike Zimmer gets his first NFL job, immediately starts making the playoffs. Andy Reid goes wherever, they immediately start making the playoffs. Arian shows up, you start making the playoffs. Like all the, Doug Peterson shows up after one year, boom, Super Bowl. But I'm not even asking the Super Bowl, I'm just saying make the playoffs. Like, it's pretty clear in the NFL, if you're a really good coach, you make the playoffs fast. So if Kyle's really going to be able to hold this, like, is he just a glorified offensive coordinator? Which, again, I don't think he is. But, like, you, you got to make the playoffs. You can make you could have made excuses for fucking everyone, wherever. Well, yeah, but, okay, but what I'm saying is then if he doesn't make the playoffs, then what, Then based on all that, don't you have to change the way you look at him? Yeah, then, the I just, yeah then I think it's fair to, like, we can't keep talking about him and with Arians and Andy and McVay. Right, McVay. that's, that's ultimately what I'm getting at. Especially, like... If McVeigh makes the playoffs again, you'd be like, and Kyle misses. You're like, we we got to stop talking about it like this because this is not the – like, there's no Chris Paul and Steph Curry. The conversations are over. Chris is over here and Steph's up here, right? Yeah, so we're, Russell we're, we're get, and Colin. We're, we're getting to – yeah, we're getting to this fork in the road moment where the hype has not slowly diminished because it's not just, oh, you guys just live in the Bay Area. No, we what we brought up with, uh, with Kittle was something on Left Coast Show. You know, and Chris Sims, who's tight with Kyle, always has these guys on his shows and talks about it. Like, it's all over the country people talk about Kyle like this. So now it's just time. And again, I believe in him. I think he's I, – I, I, I would not be like, yeah, I think they can make the playoffs. Part of the reason I say that is, one, I think Jimmy's a stud. and But even probably more than Jimmy. Now, actually not more than Jimmy because we've seen, like, Kyle can only do so much if he's got Mullins. Jimmy's Jimmy's the most important thing, but I think Kyle's a playoff level guy. Now it's just time to do it. They they've added and then they got their defensive coordinator some help. Uh, the crazy defensive line coach that was Jim Washburn's Washburn's right hand guy, who we saw out there coaching defensive line. Now part of this is like like they're to, I, to make the playoffs. Dick Bose got to play. Like there's very yeah. I I just I guess part of why I'm saying this too is I have because I do believe in him and I do believe in Jimmy. I have a hard time seeing them have a season that at the end I look at it and go, God, I just don't believe in Kyle anymore. I have a hard time seeing whatever that is. 
And I have a harder time seeing that than I do seeing a team misplay. Like teams misplay. Like again, well, I I didn't say I would stop believing him. I'm going to say I just can't. I can't keep including him in these lists. <laughs> you know the well, way yeah, I talk that, about. I mean, to me, even at this point, we try not to be just results oriented and actually look at what's happening, which is part of why the Kittle insight is so great. You, you could argue but at right some now, point it's the results do. Put, yeah, it's not fair to put Kyle like he hasn't done enough as a head coach to be considered with the McVeighs, Andys, Paytons, Arians. Like those guys yeah, but up. I also would say, like, to your to if to to flip to your side on this for a second, I would say like that's part of predicting stuff, projecting stuff, right? At one point in time, Wilbon was like Derek Carr and Colin Kaepernick in the same situ- in the same sentence. That's insane. It's like, well, it's coming, and then you know, it's like some what what did he say? Uh, how did he uh, phrase it? Because he was kind of like uh, dismissive of you. But I don't remember yeah. how he said it. Shows you the power. Did you put it like, somewhere? Did he say like on Twitter or something like that? How did? No, he... I thought I thought it was like on Lance Zerline's side or something. I I can't even remember where I put it. But were you writing briefly for uh, what was that site? Like dra- was, yeah, but this was something different. This was like sideline. This was I think Zerline's site. I thought. Yeah, what was that site called? It just because he did you. he did a, something like wrote on something called sideline.com or something yeah, like si- that. Right, sideline view or something. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what it was. It, it was it shows you the power of quarterbacks, right? I mean, just John Middlecoff, former scout, writing on the sideline view about Kaepernick and Carr. Boom! I get my own two minutes on PTI. Pretty early too. I mean, I think it was in the first couple segments because it got picked up and it was just the classic this was before kneeling too but where Kaepernick was really polarizing as a football player and you just talked about him it'd be like boom he'd lead first take he'd lean PTI it might have led the show guy thinking back really because I think it was just it might have been like written in July you know when there's nothing going on and you're kind of fishing and this was before – it was at a time like LeBron was kind of set. There wasn't that much player movement yet in the NBA. Because if you don't have much player movement in the NBA and the NBA Finals ends, there's not much going on from about mid-June till training camp starts, right? If you're doing a show like this, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. So you just – you're desperate for some – oh, NFL scouts said that uh, Carr's better than Kaepernick? And that was Ka- Carr – might have played two years. It wasn't after his rookie year. Might have been after his rookie year, actually. That's where it was like. I think it was after his rookie year. Yeah. It was so. definitely after his rookie year. But anyway, uh, Kittle. But again, like I'll, I'll give you another example. I just think this team. I think their margins are thin. I just think they're they're. they're but again, like good being coaches, healthy. No, I agree. I would, I agree with everything you're saying. Playoffs. I agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm just looking at this team right now, and I think their margins are thin. And I'm not trying to be like. Do you agree with that, or, or doing some old school sports take? I'm just saying that, like, three years in, because I, I I'm going to use this as an example. No one on this earth, beside the Del Rio family, would say Jack is a better coach than Kyle. If you could have one coach, you went to every NFL team, every NFL player, they'd all pick Kyle over Jack. Jack made the playoffs with the fucking Oakland Raiders in year two. You know? Now, granted, it fell apart after that, but he still, say what you want, in Jack's three years as the Oakland Raider coach, he made the playoffs in one of them. So you usually just a solid So what coach. does that mean? 
But I'm just saying, like, you wouldn't argue. Like, Jack's solid. Jack was a functional head coach. Like, Kyle is too good. I, I think here's the better one. Kyle's too good to not keep not making the playoffs. He's too fucking good of a coach. Because the Jack Del Rio's the – now Marvin's better than Jack. But, like, just solid coaches can make the playoffs. Solid coaches. But the really good ones, like Arians, they go they go double-digit wins every year. You know? Andy, double-digit wins every year. Sean Payton hit a couple down years, but he had stacked up so many playoff appearances. Harbaugh's worst year, 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, you just – Pete Carroll, shittiest year, 9-7. and seven. Like – Kyle's is too good of a coach not to find a, a will. There's a way. Just fucking get it done. I, because you could do context in some of their seasons too, right? Well, you should. There isn't everything that doesn't context. But I'm just saying, like, even in the seasons that, like, Seattle last year went ten and six, made the playoffs. They just found a way. Well, look at last year with the Eagles nine and seven. Dude, I'm not arguing good coaches don't make the playoffs. So That's I, not what I'm arguing. Like, I'm just arguing, yeah, like, I don't know how in June we can say what eight and eight's going to look like. Or but nine I, and I seven, know, or whatever. I, I, I do know. Given how bad this franchise has been, given the, I mean. But to me, that's just, who even cares, you know. Well, it matters if you're ro- depending what state your roster is in when you. How long does it take you to put a roster together? He's got three years now. Well, absolutely. So I think that, like, here's what I do know about eight and eight, which is a huge improvement from drafting two overall. But it's still ninety-eight percent of the time means you're not playing in January, like nine and seven. But that's, that's my point ultimately is like, shouldn't we judge 16 games as more valuable than yes or no, no you're in the playoffs? I mean, no, absolutely. It tells us more than an individual. Like if you said right now, there is no scenario where nine and seven, but no playoffs has positives out of it. Like, I don't understand how you could say that. Well, to me, there's a big difference between nine and seven and eight and eight. Cause yeah, and that, and, and that difference might be one tipped ball. But I, I I could live with the last game of the season you lost on like yeah something weird then like eight and eight you're probably out of the playoffs by like December tenth you know it's like God it's, you're gonna have to overcome three people like the the Eagles are a good example of the majority of their season was shitty and then a lot of it was like God Carson's just been off and then boom he goes away and they start rallying the troops and they make this run but you know what like their high end what and end is now Doug's year last year doesn't exceed the Super Bowl, but don't you think Doug's year last year like kind of validated him? You can't mention good coaches without mentioning my name again. Like I, I wasn't just a one-year, one-hitter quitter Brian Billick here. Like you saw what I did two years in a row when shit was against the fans. And then I went on the road and won a playoff game. I'm not even asking him to do crazy Doug Peterson shit yet. Like go on the road and win a playoff game. Just get there. Then you can get blown out or well, No, just no get- doubt. But I mean like to me, there's a difference between Andy getting Alex in his first year and – Kyle getting Jimmy well, for a handful why, of why, games in year two. Why I gave him a pass last year. We get, got him for a handful of games in game one or in year one. Yeah, then he got year one. Year and ball, and that, that was part of why everyone got so excited going into year two. So I just think, I just think when you look at the history of the league and just as all I'm going history of the league, good coaches get in the playoffs. Now, if Jimmy gets hurt again, the elephant in the room would just be, they went all in on this guy that always gets hurt and they'd have to move off him. But if he's healthy, they got they got to make the playoffs because that's what good coaches do. They just make the playoffs. I, I just think it's that. I, I really think it's kind of that simple. He's, I just don't. I can't. I can't get on board with Gata if there's actually no consequences for not doing it. That's that's where I'm at. Well, yeah, he's not going to get fired, but he just no longer is considered this super bright offensive. If he can't make the playoffs, 
but then he's just not really a good head coach. That's what it's more about than whether or not he's a good offensive mind. Yeah, we we know we have the evidence is in. He's a great off. He's a great offensive mind, but he's also the head coach. Like that's the one thing you go. That's, I'll agree with you there. Is Bill O'Brien? Is he like Kyle Shanahan's offensive mind? I don't know, but can he fucking lead the troops? Yes, he can lead the troops. Right. Andy and Sean are viewed more as like they can kind of do both. They can lead the troops, but they're like super dynamic X's and O's. Bill might even be closer to Jim Harbaugh, but what do I know with Bill O'Brien? Like, what do you expect the Texans to do this year when dust settles? Probably be a wild card team. Yeah. Right. And that's where I, I again just when your coach is as good as the way he's talked about internally in the league. I'm not even talking media people or even players. I'm just talking about like what the owners and GMs and other coaches view this guy as. He he just. It's time. You're right. He's not going to get fired because you wouldn't find anyone better. But like we just mentioned, it'd be like, God, well, he's got to get a new defensive coordinator, you know? Right. But that that's where that's part. And that is, are you making the right decision on that decision? Is part of being a head coach. I think the example then starts being, well, and also how do his draft? Like does Nick Bosa, what does he like? You drafted this player, right? That's part of the reflection of him. Well, and you also go, well, part of what makes Andy really good is he hired Jim Johnson. And then even after the Juan Castillo disaster, he hired this guy, Bob Sutton. And then once he kind of fell apart, he went and got Steve Spagnola, Sean Payton. You know, they just like Kyle, part of being a head coach, you know who to hire as a defensive coordinator. Well, but now, you, I like Robert, so the, I'm rooting for him. But the part we haven't talked about here is like, is Debo Samuel look like a dude? Does Nick Bosa play? Does he look like a dude? Right. Is Debo Samuel look like. Just he's going. You are going to make him a. You're going to make him your wide receiver version of George Kittle. That's even probably a little strong. Because you do you do acknowledge that this could be like five years they miss the playoffs all those years he ends up just getting let go because it just never materializes and you just go well if he just would have had like a John Schneider next to him helping yeah him pick absolutely the player. but I'm, I guess maybe I stumbled into this too took me too long to get here but part of the evaluation this year is going to be how how does Debo Samuel look? Does Dante Pettis? You use the second rounder on him. You pick the offensive players. How does he look? But I I think one of the elephant in the room with Kyle too though is like over the years some coaches be like the GM screwed them right. This one is like well Kyle's the well, one. Well that's what I'm and that's what, and that's where I am wholeheartedly agreeing with you is if Debo Samuel doesn't look like a dude this year, then that's part like, of this evaluation because like they need him day- to be good. Like, if they miss the playoffs back-to-back years, 19 and 20, does this lead to, you know, we love John Lynch, maybe going on a different role, but we need to get Kyle like a Bill Polian type. Well, that's where there's a difference this year between 8 and 8 and 6 and 10, right? You start having that conversation after 6 and 10. 6 and 10, they're a disaster. So. You agree if 6 and 10 would just be a disaster. Yeah. And it's more it's more than Robert Sala losing his job, if you, it would feel like. That's that's where you start thinking because because at that point six and ten it's like Debo's not any good Bosa doesn't play well to Dante me, six, hasn't gotten any good six and ten could also be Jimmy got hurt again well and then it but was, yeah but I mean that's that's obviously a whole other thing if Jimmy gets hurt that's just about do you need another quarterback and the answer would be one hundred percent yes but you might not get like you know you might draft one it doesn't mean Jimmy's not your start you opening a quarterback in twenty twenty well no he'd be but he just becomes Ryan Tanny a better version of Ryan Tannehill. So we think, I mean, I think, yeah, better version. 
I, I'm saying if Jimmy were to have a major injury this year, that's what you become. You're just the always hurt guy who's just a better player, but he's always hurt. Or, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, it's probably more like an NBA player. You're like, you're like Derrick Rose or something, but not even because you can't Well, it's play. just when you're – when, but he's still young enough. He's still, he'd keep getting – he'd have the chance to put the – to put together a five-year stretch where he doesn't get hurt, he would get that opportunity. But it might happen in like when he's thirty-one to thirty-six somewhere else. Yeah, I just well, but what I'm saying up. is like he might be if he's healthy by the next year's camp, he might be good enough to just beat out whoever you drafted. Well, thinking well, he he, he would be good enough, but I, I couldn't stand behind like you can't keep believing in this guy. For, yeah, for but the, believe or for not, the, he would get for the, the amount of, for the amount of money you're paying him. Because when you're paying, but him believe that believe or not, he would get the opportunity. You're just saying you don't just base everything around him, which I agree with. If if you told me that like week three he broke his collarbone is out for the season, or just you know, I'd be like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not big on holding out hope for guys that consistently show you they get hurt because that that always leads to the same thing. Yeah, but I'm not talking about hope. I'm just saying when you're a quarterback who we think is good, you just you are just going to get more chances because someone else has to come take your job. If you're well, 100. So I'm telling you this. Jimmy has a devastating injury in October and misses 12, you know, 11 games. You can't roll back into next season and be like, like you did this season. Like, Jimmy's still our guy. Yeah. Like, as long as he's to, healthy, we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you have to go then, like, if Marcus Mariota gets cut, bring him in, draft a quarterback really high. You have to do something else. Now, you keep Jimmy on your roster. That's fine. Why are we? But, why are we doing this in June? Huh? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, because we, we, we got. I mean, again, this is. We just talked to Kittle. We got McGlinchey next where, week. This is where. This is why Carr Kaepernick conversation is up in PTI. There's only so much you want to talk about. We the, got uh, plenty to talk about. We don't have to beat ourselves, yeah. punch ourselves in the face. We're like, uh, what is that? Um, is that uh, bad? What was that movie? A Horrible Bosses Three. Is that the one where they kidnap the guy? He kidnaps himself. Horrible Bosses Two, and he's punching himself in the face. I'm not telling seen you. That one. Oh, it's, good. it's a good TV watch. All right. On that note, McGlinchy next week. McGlinchy next week. Subscribe, rate, review, share. Tell all your friends. Kittle. It's great. Adios. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.